folk singer is dead after she was attacked by a pair of coyotes. What is the monkey doing? Tell me what's going on. He ripped her face off! We actually have a trainer in the water with one of our whales. If I show weakness, if I retreat, I may be hurt, I may be killed. Baby Azaria Chamberlain was taken by a dingo back in 1980. I've got a lot of people making fun of me uh, because last week I, I did a whole five minute bit about um, the next episode being episode 69, and it's a funny number, and I was going to like. Talk, tell stories about people 69ing farm animals and uh yeah i spent maybe five to ten minutes on that bit only by the end of the episode to realize that uh no the next episode wasn't episode 69 it's episode 59 which is today so we have a whole <laughs> a whole other 10 episodes but i've had enough of you people being mean to me about that okay i'm not a mathematically gifted person all right i don't know what numbers meant to be next how am i supposed to know that if the episode is 58, how am I supposed to know that the next episode is going to be 59 as opposed to 69? You don't know that. You don't know. You don't know everything. You're not my dad. Eh. What? <laughs> Welcome back to Man Eaters, everybody. The only true crime podcast on the internet where all the killers are real animals, uh, whether it's biting, scratchings, maulings, or clawings. We're here to talk about it. Have you guys been like fo fo following uh, any of the discourse surrounding true crime podcasting as a genre lately? Uh, it's been a bad week to be a true crime podcaster. I, I've seen a few TikToks. Um, apparently, people are realizing that there's, there's a podcast called My Favorite Murder, which is uh, I've listened to it. It's it's you know, it's okay. Um, it's it's a very popular true crime podcast. It's probably one one of if not the most popular true crime podcast, but people have kind of uh, had a bit of a backlash towards it recently because, um, well, they're not super tactful about uh, how they handle some of their subject matter, particularly how they talk about uh, the victims and the people who murdered them. Um, and it's made me really reflect on my show and be like, huh, have I been really awful and mean to people who have died recently? And the answer is no. When it's recent, I'm always very careful. When it's like 50 years plus ago, I'm kind of a dick. But uh, you know what? The story we're talking about today is pretty recent, so I'm going to try and reel myself in, of course. Uh, yeah. Also, you know, people with true crime, one of their big problems is that they... um. They deify uh, serial killers. I'm not doing that. They're, they're animals, man. They're stupid, stinky, shitty animals. And they don't even get offended when I say that. You know why? They don't have feelings because they're animals. <laughs> that is not the official stance on this podcast, by the way. Animals do have feelings and they're, I love animals. I love animals more than people. I wish they would kill more people. <laughs> that is also not the not not the not the um, position that this podcast takes as well. Um, I need to move on, guys, because this introduction is getting too weird, and there's too many opportunities for for me to be cancelled. Quite honestly, so let's get into our story today. Today we're talking about the San Francisco tiger attacks. Now, initially, I was going to be doing an episode all about a bunch of different um, zoo animal attacks that have occurred in history. Um, basically springing from a story that's in the news recently, which will be part of a scratch of the day in the later part of the episode. I basically compiled about 10 stories of um, 
people being killed in zoos by animals. Uh, but I got into this story and there's so much information on it that's so interesting that I, th- I felt like it deserves its its whole, its its own entry into the, um what do you call the podcastography <laughs> on the list. So we may do another episode in the future on uh, animal attacks in zoos, uh, particularly if there's a bunch of, of stories with, with uh, limited information about them. But um, no, this episode, there is, there is, sorry, this story, there is quite a lot of information about it. It's quite a sad story as well. We're talking about a, a tiger named Tatiana who was involved in uh, multiple uh, tiger attacks, unfortunately, at the San Francisco Zoo uh, between the years of, I believe, 2006 and 2007. Um, I've never had the, the pleasure of going to the San Francisco Zoo. I'm sure it's lovely, um, probably quite hilly. I actually don't know much about San Francisco apart from the, you know, there's, you know, lots of hills, but maybe we have, a, a you know, a listener um, there. Oh, speaking of which, um, I on the Instagram, which I plug all the time, so you should be following me. Um, on the, the man in his Instagram, I put up a question on um, my story. I was interested to see like where where people are from, where the listeners are from. And uh, I was a little bit nervous. I was not going to get anyone replying except maybe people I know in, in real life and such. But um, no, interestingly, got, got a lot of really interesting uh, replies and responses. People from uh, all over the world listening to the show. I want to share a couple of them really quickly at the, at the outset of this episode. We had a couple of people from Newcastle, which I wasn't surprised by. That's, you know, that's, that's where I'm from. Um, but we had people from all over the joint. We had someone in um, Nova Scotia in uh, in um, in Canada, message out, and I believe that's that's a you know a day one fan who's um, been quite active on the Instagram lately. We had someone from Guatemala, which you know I did, had no idea people were listening in Guatemala. Someone from India, Sweden. Someone said they were listening from Sweden. Um, a couple from Sydney. Um, who else? Oh yeah, Aberdeen in Scotland, um, and I believe that person. Um, and maybe, maybe I'm thinking of someone else. I think we might have a few Scottish listeners as well. Someone from Las Vegas and a couple of people from Newcastle. And of course, um, one person from Bend, Oregon, who is also a very active um, Nanny Eaters listener and uh, yeah, likes all the posts on Instagram. So yeah, it was, it was really lovely to, um, to you know, hear all that and see that there's so many people uh, enjoying the show. And well, I, did, I mean, they didn't say they were enjoying the show. I'm implying that, but um, <laughs> they're at least listening and they're from those places, uh, which is really lovely to hear. So if you're not um, already following that Instagram account. I recommend going and doing that because, uh, yeah, I ask some questions every now and again. We do some quizzes. I did a quiz the other day and most people got the answers right, which is very heartening. So, yeah, go and do that. But um, I, before I derail this introduction anymore, let's 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 take it back, guys. Take it back, rewind it, you know, and let's jump into our story today. We're going to talk about the San Francisco Tiger Attacks. The toxicology results are in, and the San Francisco medical examiner says Carlos Sousa Jr. had marijuana and alcohol in his system when he was attacked and killed by a tiger at the San Francisco Zoo. That attack happened on Christmas Day, when a 250-pound Siberian tiger escaped from its enclosure. At the time, there were claims that the teens and two friends who were seriously injured taunted the tiger. A lawyer for the family says why the tiger escaped and whether the boy was drinking or smoking pot are irrelevant. The family is suing the city. The autopsy report concluded the 17-year-old was killed by blunt force injuries to the head and neck. An investigation found that the wall surrounding the tiger enclosure was four feet lower than industry standards. The zoo closed for a short time after the attack to make the necessary changes to the tiger enclosure. It has since reopened. So... The San Francisco tiger attacks revolve around one tiger named Tatiana. 
Two tiger attacks occurred at the San Francisco Zoo in 2006 and then in 2007, both of them involving a Siberian tiger named Tatiana, who was four years old at the time of the second incident. In the first incident, a zookeeper was bitten on the arm during a public feeding, and in the second incident, one person was actually killed and two others were badly injured before police shot and killed Tatiana on scene. Tatiana was born at the Denver Zoo uh, in 2003 on June 25th, and she was actually brought to San Francisco Zoo in 2005 at the age of about two. Um, She was there to provide the 14-year-old Siberian tiger Tony with a mate. Uh, which is uh, kind of, I guess it's like animal sex slavery, really, if you think about it. But um, it seems like she had a pretty good time at the zoo until she was killed. Tatiana had no prior record of aggression towards humans before either of these uh, events. So the first event, in December 22nd of 2006, a veteran zookeeper named Laurie Comagen was feeding Tatiana through the enclosure's grill. During the feeding, Tatiana clawed and managed to grip Comagen's right arm and pulled it through the grill and bit it. The Californian the California Occupational Safety and Health Administration later determined that the zoo had inadequate safety precautions and staff training and fined the zoo $18,000. Comagen, who underwent several surgeries and skin grafts and whose arm was severely scarred and permanently injured, sued the zoo and she settled in 2008 for an undisclosed amount. That is, is essentially the the uh, the limits on the uh, information there for the first event. Um, you know, obviously not great that this person had their arm shredded and permanently injured, uh, but you no know, one died. The tiger wasn't hurt. Um, so all in all, not the worst outcome, the outcome that could have happened. The tiger cage was remodeled and was reopened in September of 2007. However, four months later, a second and more bloody incident would occur. Shortly after closing time on Christmas Day of 2007, Tatiana somehow escaped from her open-air enclosure, and she killed a 17-year-old boy named Carlos Eduardo Souza Jr., and he injured brothers uh, Mritopal Paul Daliwal and Kulbir Daliwal. They were 19 and 23 years old, respectively. The three men had been witnessed throwing objects at and taunting the tiger. Now, after the attack, the two brothers fled the zoo cafe 300 yards. Sorry, they fled to the zoo cafe, which was about 270 meters away, um, which was locked at the time. An employee heard their screams and called 911 at 5.07 p.m. The emergency response was delayed, unfortunately, because the, at first the cafe owners uh, said that the call in the call that they suspected the screaming was coming from someone who was mentally ill, and there actually wasn't an animal attack. Um, later, the uh, the emergency response was was uh, delayed uh, because the zoo security guards were enforcing a lockdown and they prevented Tatiana from escaping the zoo. There's actually a 911 call uh, from I believe Paul, no, from Coolbeer uh, Daliwal, uh, who calls 911, and you can hear just how angry and frustrated he is that the uh, paramedics haven't been let into the zoo the um the 911 uh what do, what do you call the uh the responder on the on the other end of the line she's explaining that we can't let the um we can't let the uh <laughs> the, the, the the first responders in um because basically it's unsafe for them and you can hear just how frustrated he is i'm going to play that clip for you now um just be aware that it's quite hard to understand what he's saying um essentially he's just he's screaming and fine and asking why aren't you coming in to save us what's with the delay i'm just going to stay on the line with you until the paramedics are with you all right okay. can you check up on them we'll see where they're at they're on scene right now, but they have to stage until they're given permission to go inside. 
it's coming out of life and death. Okay, no, I understand that, but at the same time, we have to make sure the paramedics don't get chewed out because if the paramedics get hurt, then nobody is going to help. Okay, I understand that. All right, I'm trying here. Okay, the ambulance is staging. I need you to understand that if the ambulance people, no, the paramedics, okay, calm down. If the paramedics get hurt, they cannot help your brother. So you need to calm down. And just, you are going to be the best help for your brother right now. So can you, what's going on here? It's been, okay. I've been on you with the on the call with you for eight minutes. I called 10 minutes before okay. 20 minutes. Okay, I'm trying to explain to you that we have to make sure that we can get inside safely. All right? How long does it take? I do not know that because I'm not out there right now, but we have specialists. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 17, 20, We have 40, 16 different 40, police units plus about six different paramedic and fire department personnel out there trying to. We just have to make sure that the tiger doesn't hurt any of the emergency units. Otherwise, there's going to be nobody to help you, all right? So just stay calm. I'm going to stay on the phone with you. Yeah, pretty pretty harrowing <laughs> tape there, to be honest. Um, so when the police did finally come in, the armed officers found Tatiana uh, with Kulbad Daliwal, but they held fire at first because they were scared of hitting the man. One of the officers, Officer Chris Oshita, which I, that's... I hope that's not how you pronounce his name, Oshita. Uh, I'm not sure. Also, by the way, with this person's name, I was a little unsure. One article says his name is Chris Oshita, and one other person says his name is like a Yamiko or something like that. I'm not really sure what's going on there. So I'm going to call him Chris for now, but there is a chance I'm, I'm incorrect. So this officer, Chris Oshita, um, said that they found Daliwal in a seated position, bleeding profusely, and a tiger sitting at his feet, guarding him. Oshita and his partner came out of the car, yelling and screaming, trying to divert the tiger away from the Daliwal brothers. Tatiana suddenly veered towards them. When she was about 20 yards away, Oshita opened fire with his handgun. The first shot struck Tatiana in the chest, but she kept on coming. He says... I hit the other side of the chest, and again, the fur moves, and she flinches, and now it's started to pick up speed, and it's coming faster. Oshita says, I shoot the tiger in the face, and I see the tiger flinch and put its head down, but it's still coming. Oshita said Tatiana was only five feet away. The officer jumped back in his car, but the window was still wide open. The tiger tried to pull itself up again, trying to get to me through the window, Oshita says. Oshita's partner fired the fatal shot that stopped Tatiana. Tatiana was ultimately killed by a gunshot wound to the forehead. The Daliwal brothers received deep bites and claw marks on their heads, necks, arms, and hands. They left the hospital on December 29, four days later. Susa was found dead near the Tiger Grotto with blunt force trauma to the head and neck being the cause of death. There were many punctures and scratches to his head, neck and chest, skull and spinal fractures and a cut to his jugular vein. The Association of Zoos and Aquariums said that the attack was the first time a visitor had been killed by an escaped animal at a member zoo since the association's founding in 1924. The zoo was closed until January 3rd of 2008. Keeping in mind, that's only about like a week and a half over the Christmas period, so it's not like they lost a lot of business there. It was not immediately apparent how Tatiana had managed to escape, but the police said Tatiana may have leaped or climbed the walls of her enclosure. 
police undertook an investigation to determine whether one of the victims climbed over a waist-high fence and then dangled a leg or another body part over the ledge of the moat around the tiger enclosure. Two days after the attack on December 27th of 2007, the zoo reported that while the moat at 33 feet wide was sufficient by national standards, its claim that the grotto's moat wall was 18 feet tall was incorrect. Officials measured it at 12.5 feet tall, substantially lower than in their initial report, and substantially lower than the AZA recommended 16.5 feet for such enclosures. Tatiana's rear paws were embedded with concrete chips, suggesting that she'd pushed against the moat wall during her escape. In the days immediately following the attack, the director of the zoo stated that Tatiana was probably provoked. He said, Somebody created a situation which really agitated her and gave her some sort of method to break out. There is no possible way that the cat could have made it out of there in one single leap. I would surmise that there was help. A couple of feet dangling over the edge could possibly have done it. Sources told the San Francisco Chronicle that pine cones and sticks that might have been thrown by Tatiana had been found, which could not have landed in the vicinity naturally. Paul Daliwal said that three, that three had yelled and waved at the tiger. According to news sources, Daliwal bro- the Daliwal brothers had slingshots on them uh, at the time of the attack. In later reports, the police denied that the slingshots were found in the victim's car or at the zoo. Zoo visitor Jennifer Miller and her family allegedly saw the group of men, including an unidentified fourth person, taunting lions less than an hour before the tiger attack. She later identified Carlos Sousa as being part of the group, but said that Sousa did not join in in the taunting. An attorney representing the Daliwell brothers stated that they had not taunted the tiger. However, I am fairly certain that I read that the, one of the brothers did admit later on that they had antagonized the tiger. In early January of 2008, the lead investigator for the city said that the men had harassed Tatiana, but no charges were filed against them for such behaviour. In San Francisco, it's a misdemeanor offence to taunt a zoo animal, which is an interesting little fact, and I wonder where that's true everywhere else. I went to the zoo recently, and I um, I taunted one of the, uh, the monkeys. I kind of just flipped him off a little bit. I hope I don't get in trouble. Uh... Toxicology reports disclosed in mid-January indicated a blood alcohol level of 0.16 for the 19-year-old Amitrapal Daliwal, twice the legal limit for operating a motor vehicle, and that alcohol was also present but under the legal limits for Kulbir uh, Daliwal, who was 23 years old, and for Carlos Sousa, who was 17. There was also evidence of cannabis use amongst all three. Reporters also noted that police found a small amount of marijuana in Coolbeer Daliwal's 2002 BMW, which the victims drove to the zoo, as well as a partially filled bottle of vodka, according to court documents. The San Francisco Chronicle described the attitude of the Daliwals as hostile to the police following the attack, reporting that they had initially refused to identify themselves or Carla Sousa to the police, refused to give interviews to the police until two days after the attack, and would not speak publicly about the details of what happened to them. On February 16, 2008, the zoo reopened the exterior tiger exhibit, which was extensively renovated to meet the extension of the concrete moat wall up to the minimum height of 16 feet 4 inches from the bottom of the moat, installation of glass fencing on the top of the wall to extend the height to 19 feet, and installation of electrified hot wire. The zoo also installed portable loudspeakers that remind visitors to leave promptly at 5pm closing time and protect the animals. They also put up a sign that reads, 
Help the zoo make a safe environment. The magnificent a- magnificent animals magnificent. The magnificent animals in the zoo are wild and possess all their natural instincts. You are a guest in their home. Please remember that they are sensitive and have feelings. Please do not tap on the glass, throw anything into the exhibits, make excessive noise, tease or call out to them. On December 25th, 2008, a year after the event, a life-size concrete and tile sculpture of Tatiana by John Engel was revealed at the community garden in the Green in the Greenwich Steps on 274 Greenwich. Greenwich, I believe that is. Now the four officers, Scott Biggs, Yukio Oshita, or Chris Oshita, I don't know, Kevin O'Leary and Daniel Cruz were honored for bravery during the incident. In a 2009 suit by the Dhaliwal brothers against the zoo, it was settled for $900,000. There was also a suit by Seuss's parents, which was settled for undisclosed terms. Seuss's father, Carlos, says that every Christmas day, they have a mass in honor of him at the church, and as long as God wants him to, he'll keep on doing it that way. Now, after the event, both Dhaliwal brothers got into trouble with the law. Paul Daliwal, his legal troubles began in April of 2007 before this event took place. He was arrested after leading the police in Santa Clara County on a chase that reached speeds of 140 miles per hour. He was sentenced to 30 days in jail and a three-year probation. Within three days of sentencing, he was also charged with marijuana possession and had also been charged in Alameda County with shoplifting. A judge imposed a 16-month term, the San Francisco Chronicle reported, making the sentence concurrent with another one for getting involved in a scuffle with a police officer. Daliwal could he kneel, sorry, Daliwal faced more time for shoplifting, uh, but I couldn't find any information to confirm that he'd done that. His brother also went to trial uh, for fighting with the police. Now, Paul Daliwal actually died in 2012 at the age of 24. I was unable to find any cause of death for Paul Daliwal. So, uh, quite an interesting story there. That's that's um that's most of the information that I have for you there. Um, it's quite an interesting story. So. Here's my thoughts on what's actually happened, right? Um, I think, so these people have, let's just check, were they, I'm not sure if they were there before or after uh, closing time, Um, shortly after closing time. So the three men, potentially four, if there's a witness that can be believed, um, they've stayed in the park past closing time. Um, I had a look at some photos of the the enclosure and the moat. Uh, So... The moat is very wide, um, but the wall is actually not that tall. I, I can see a tiger uh, being able to jump almost the height of that. And I could also see that there's a, like a little grassy area above the enclosure um, where I believe potentially the three men or, or one of the three men had climbed over. Um, now, if one of them were dangling an arm or legs over the side trying to get the tiger to jump and I'm trying to imagine myself in their situation kind of being a bit of a, a dickhead to the tiger um, I I can see a world where they're enticing the tiger to try and jump at them in the in the assumption that it's not going to be able to make it and it's going to fall back into the moat um, because that would be very funny I guess to, to them so if I'm enticing a tiger maybe I'm hanging my hands over the side maybe I'm hanging my legs over if the tiger manages to jump and grab onto you, uh, it can it could have used your body to to climb up the rest of that wall and uh, and escape that way. Uh, so that's kind of my thought. And, uh, another thought that I had, which was really um, 
I found this really interesting was how much, and I don't know if this is an American thing, um, and I don't know if it's because of the the time frame that this happened in the, in the late two thousands, but all of the um, like all of the media surrounding this story, th- there was so much that focused on the fact that they had, well, that they were drunk over the limit, and um, and that they had marijuana in the system. The the media really really seem to make a big deal on the um the marijuana stuff like the number when i was researching this the number of articles that i saw that were like uh the like police or coroner confirms marijuana was involved and it's like does that matter like it really i don't think it should matter it's irrelevant to the case even if they were drunk on heroin it wouldn't really matter um what matters is that a tiger escaped its enclosure at the zoo. A tiger, which, by the way, I, I don't want to forget, had already had a, an incident um, before this, you know, when she attacked that that trainer. So uh, it's it's hard. I don't want to place n- no blame on the victims. I, I don't think that that would be a right or fair thing to do is to just say, oh, no, they, they didn't do anything wrong. Um, but, but at the same time, it's also not fair to say that the zoo is, is you know, without without fault here. Um, the the zoo, I mean, the zoo really, we, the 2006 attack, right, on, on the on the zoo trainer, there was an investigation and it found that they had provided inadequate safety precautions and training. And they were actually, and they were fined 18 grand, I think. Um, and also, you know, she sued in the zoo, the zoo as well. So the zoo clearly um, was at fault there after, after, um, you know, the, the, what did the investigation, the investigation found that like, yeah, there was, there was not enough safety precautions. I imagine, um, there was, you know, say what safety precautions could you have other people watching, um, better, better procedures for feeding the animals, I guess would be one as well. Um, so, you know, they've, they've learned the lesson there. It was closed in like, you know, this is December of 2006, right? And it was reopened in 2007, in September, so less than a year later. So I guess theoretically, um, the tiger cage... Oh, look, it was the tiger cage that was remodeled and reopened, not the enclosure itself. I'm assuming those are two separate things. Tiger cage is probably where the tigers go when they are being fed, uh, and the the enclosure is is kind of the... um, the enrichment area, the, the running around area of the zoo that the tiger gets to explore. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, showing that the tiger cage was not up to safety standards and then finding out later on that the wall that they had built um, was not up to safety standards as well. My my guess, and again, this is all speculative, San Francisco Zoo is probably an older zoo um, and that enclosure was probably built for an animal uh, before those sort of safety guidelines had been had, had come out. And the zoo, my guess is that they hadn't bothered to either check what the new guidelines were or they hadn't bothered to to fix that wall up, um, which is, yeah, which is crazy. I also find it really interesting that, um, you know, the, the attack happened in 2007 uh, on December 25th, right? Nearly a year before the, uh, sorry, after the first attack. Um, the zoo then reopened, I think on the, th- was it the 3rd of January? That's that is a week. That is not much time at all. That is crazy that they would reopen so quickly after uh, a person was attacked and killed, and two others were badly injured uh, when an animal escaped from their enclosure. I would imagine that you would have to do like safety checks, not just on that enclosure of the tiger, but like every other animal in the zoo. If that one can escape, why can't the others? That's that was kind of my question there. Um, but look, okay. Let's let's talk about the victim. And again, I don't want to like talk uh, ill of the dead. Um, 
Well, I can't, okay, Sousa seems to be okay. Uh, the the uh, the witness, um, Mrs. Miller, I believe her name was. She she never uh, claimed that she saw Sousa participating in the um, in the in the chiding of the um, of the of the of the of the tiger. Um, but the people that he were, was with, they definitely did. From all intents, from from what it sounds like, um, the Daliwal brothers uh, seem to be real trouble. Uh, especially, you know, hearing about the uh, what the police chase that he the high speed chase that he took them on, and um, yeah, how how aggressive they were and unwilling they were, you know, to to cooperate with the authorities. If I went to the zoo with my friends, by the way, and a tiger ate one of my friends, I would be so goddamn helpful. I would be like, yeah, this happened, this happened. I wouldn't decline interviews. I find that, like, if you're declining an interview, um, it's probably because you just have a bad relationship with the police, um, which is, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you've ever done anything wrong. But uh, j- just from what I've heard about these people, these guys, it doesn't sound like they were the the, the nicest dudes ever. Um, and yeah, of course, uh, Paul Paul Dalwell died like very young, at age 24 in 2012. I really wanted to find out what he died of, but I couldn't. I couldn't find it out. Um, it was yeah. It's it's a shame I couldn't find out more about that. Yeah. So that guy's in a nutshell. That is the San Francisco Tiger attacks. Um, a really interesting story. It's a bit of a shorter one today. Um, but I think that you know it's it's a it's a really recent one. This is about 15 years ago. Um, and there have been many other tiger attacks in zoos uh, recently and in the past as well. And I'm sure we'll cover those um, an- another day. Uh, but yeah, the San Francisco tiger attacks. This is the kind of thing that you don't expect to happen in a, in a metropolis like uh, San Francisco or, you know, California. Um, you know, when, when I hear of... Uh, lions and tigers escaping their pens and attacking people i think of um i think of places like in india or china um where where the guidelines safety guidelines and protocols are not necessarily followed and adhered to as strictly as they are in um some other countries like australia and and the united states and canada but as we have talked about in the past uh you know america's um you know safety procedures and and their uh protocols when it comes to exotic animals is quite lax you have people like in oklahoma like the Tiger King, right? Just anyone can just have a, 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 a big cat. Anyone can just have a tiger or, or a leopard in their backyard as long as they have a cage for it. Uh, it seems to be very, you know, uh, very not well uh, regulated, you know? And I think maybe that, I don't want to speak out of turn, that I think that might be an American thing from what I understand. Half of Americans really fucking don't like regulations. They don't like being told to do anything. Uh, and the other half like being told to do things i guess they don't but they understand why it's necessary i don't know i feel like i'm gonna get called an australian cuck for this yeah i had someone yelling at me on on tiktok in the comment section of a video basically saying that i i was put in a concentration camp during covid because they saw it on fox news that that australia had concentration camps <laughs> to put unvaccinated people in <laughs> um that didn't happen. <laughs> Don't know what else to tell you, bud. Didn't happen. Uh, but yeah, that, that is the San Francisco Tiger Attacks. Guys, if you've ever heard this story before, uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, you can send those to me uh, through all the social media channels. We'll talk about those a little bit later. But for now, let's take a quick break. Let's have a little tasty beverage. Maybe have a little bite of a hamburger or something delicious. And we'll be right back after the break. We're back. 
I, I forgot to mention, by the way, just a little going back to the story. Um, I found a bunch of really cool, you know, resources, a bunch of nine one one clips and and calls from the from the uh, from the zoo uh, when when the second attack was occurring. Um, but unfortunately, I, I couldn't listen to them. They weren't available in my region or something like that. I don't know why news companies decide to do that. Like, why why can't I listen to it? Am I not good enough? I know I could pass an American citizenship test. I'm sure of it. The Declaration of Independence, 1948. Boom. Got it. Who was the first president? It was Bush Sr. I know everything there is to know. What's the Washington Monument? He cut down a tree. That was the monument. The tree was the monument, and he cut it down with his peanut teeth. Um... I feel like I'm getting one of those wrong, but that's, that doesn't matter. It's beside the point. Uh, we are going to move on now, everybody, to one of my favorite segments, the Scratch of the Day. Day. Of course, guys, it is the segment where we look at news articles uh, that have occurred through the week that have involved animal attacks or animal-human confrontation, people getting into fights with kangaroos, people getting bitten on the willy by snakes, anything like that. I'm here to talk about it. I've got three stories we're going to read through today. As you know, I don't read these stories ahead of time. We go through this together and we learn together because that's what this show is all about, learning together and making me money. Uh, and I'm not I'm not learning much and I'm not making much money as well. So we need to get better at both of these things, guys. Okay. Uh, first story, a, a dingo was unfortunately um, uh, euthanized on Kigari. Um, now, I want to really quickly, before we start this um, story, um, clar- clarify my um, my view on Kigari. So um, I didn't realize this had happened. I guess I had my head in the sand. There's an island in Australia, a beautiful island called Fraser Island. Uh, and they've renamed it Kigari, K-apostrophe-G-A-R-I. Uh, that's the traditional indigenous name for it, Kigari. Wasn't aware that there was like so much discourse about it, but I saw uh, you know, a TikTok video and basically all the comments were like, uh, D- the child deserved to be bitten because they called it Kigari. Some fucking stupid guy like that anyway. So uh, I'm, I don't plan to that. I'm all for indigenous place names. They sound better. Who the fuck was Fraser anyway? Maybe he was important. I don't know. Um, but yeah, we call the island Kigari now. And I'm going to, from, from now on, I'm going to call it Kigari. So if you, if you ever hear me say, hey, this happened on Kigari, that means Fraser Island, okay? And it may, may happen a lot because it feels like these dingo attacks are occurring more and more frequently on Kigari. Uh, so anyway, here's the story. And it's uh, from The Guardian. Uh, and I cannot see a byline. Oh, yes, sorry. Eden Gillespie. I love that last name. Gillespie. Uh, this was reported on the 19th of July, so about a week ago. Uh, a high-risk animal was involved in a mauling of a 23-year-old who reportedly ran into the sea to escape. A high-risk animal that attacked a woman on Kigari this week has become the second dingo to be euthanized by Queensland rangers in two months. The animal was killed on Wednesday after being one of a pack of several dingoes that mauled a 23-year-old woman who was airlifted to hospital on Monday. The woman suffered multiple bite wounds to her limbs and torso after being chased by the dingoes and corralled into the water, reportedly while out jogging. Two men in a four-wheel drive stopped to help, with one receiving an injury to his hand while fighting off the animals. It's understood the dingo was tranquilized before being being euthanized via an injection on Wednesday. A Department of Environmental spokesperson said the dingo had been captured and humanely euthanized. The dingo had been responsible for a recent threatening and biting incident, which resulted in the hospitalization of a six-year-old girl, according to the spokesperson. And I believe we have spoken about that story on another Scratch of the Day in a previous episode. 
The animal was around two years old and weighed more than 17 kilograms when it was fitted for, with a monitoring collar in April. The spokesperson said that the weight is very heavy for a Wangari, which is the indigenous word for dingo, and a clear indication that it had been fed. It is also clear from its behavior that it become habituated either by being fed or from people interacting with it from videos or selfies. The animal had lost its natural wariness of people and entering campsites or loitering around people is not normal dingo behavior. An investigation into the incident is ongoing as rangers work to identify the other dingoes involved. Should the other animals be identified, we will consider our management options, the spokesperson said. Queensland's Environmental Minister Leanne Lingard on Tuesday said it was a significant step to euthanize a dingo. Destroying the animal is obviously a consideration that will be made by rangers in conjunction with the traditional owners of the island, she told reporters. The state government euthanized another dingo last month, the first since 2019, after several incidents on the island, including attacks on a 7-year-old boy and a 42-year-old woman. Aboriginal rangers have urged tourists to follow the safety warnings, with no shortage of signage on the island and information available. The warnings are everywhere. Before you even go to book over there, Tessa Weyer from the Butchala Aboriginal Corporation told NITV News, they're being ignorant and they don't want to follow what we're putting out there, which are for these safety messages. Lingard said that while the animals may look cute, it was important to remember they are wild animals. We want to reduce the number of negative interactions, she said. I know people love to see dingoes when they go to the island, but there can be negative interactions if precautions are not taken. There you go. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about my thoughts on this uh, story. I feel like every week when I look up these uh, animal attack video uh, so news articles, um, yeah, there's always a new dingo uh, biting someone or scratching someone or, or attacking someone in Kigari, uh, and it doesn't seem to be getting better. And I think... It's. I've said this before. This is my theory. We kind of talked about this a lot with the um, the episode where we talked about death in Yellowstone, right? Um, there are so many incidents of people being attacked by bison, buffalo, because the buffalo or bison, as you be more correct to to call it, I think uh, the bison is such a uh, you know an integral part of the American experience. It's such a beautiful part. And uh, I think that like, obviously for indigenous people, but even for anyone who's, who is an American, I feel like they can feel some kind of spiritual connection to that animal. And I feel like in Australia, it's the same kind of thing. We feel a spiritual connection to kangaroos and emus and dingoes, right? Um, the dingo is by far the, uh, the most dangerous predator, a land predator in, in Australia. Uh, we don't have bears and, and tigers and stuff. We have dingoes and they're not that bad like, compared to other, all those other animals. Animals. Um, but they have obviously caused a lot of injuries and uh, at least one recorded death in the past. Um, of course, Azaria Chamberlain, the baby that was taken in the dingo took my baby. Remember that? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, dingo. I, I just feel like we do have a connection with these dingoes. You see a dingo when you're out and it approaches you and you think, oh, it's like a it's like a puppy. It looks like a cute dog. Uh, but they are wild animals. And uh, especially if they are habituated to not fear humans, uh, that's when a lot of problems can arise, unfortunately. So we're going to move on now to another story. This one actually sent in by a listener named Brayson uh, on Instagram. Sent me this. So thank you, Brayson. Uh, deadly bear attack in Arizona. He sent me a link and he also told me that this would be the best uh, place to read about it. So I'm going to Fox 10 in Phoenix. Um, oh, well, there you go. Just for all our Phoenicians listening, uh, there's an excessive heat warning. That's just popped up on my screen. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Well, I hope you stay cool. 
Phoenicians, my Arizonian pals. Okay, this article says, oh, it's written by uh, Nicole Garcia and Irene Schneider, May Fan, Brett Corrado, and the Associated Press. That is a lot of authors. Let's see if it's a long one. Uh, deadly bear attack in Groom Creek near Prescott. Necrosby, necrop- I hate this word. Necro, necropsy, necropsy. <laughs> Autopsy for an animal conducted. Results announced. A 66-year-old man died after being mauled by a black bear in an exceedingly rare attack in a community south of Prescott, according to uh, Yavapai County Sheriff's Office. The attack happened in the Groom Creek area on the morning of June 16th, and authorities believe it was unprovoked. The victim, Stephen Jackson, was building a cabin at the time. He was sitting in a chair on his property when he was attacked by an adult male bear, according to the Yavapai County Sheriff David Rhodes. Neighbors responded that they heard him yelling, calling for help. They tried to get the bear to stop attacking him, said Sheriff Rhodes. Rhodes said the bear was in the process of consuming him before a neighbor shot and killed the animal. That's a good neighbor. We have no other information other that there were aggressive (laughs) other... Sorry. We have no other information that there are other aggressive animals or bears in the area, Rhodes said. The sheriff noted that residents cannot shoot bears unless they pose a threat to themselves or others. Chris Hybert, who works in the area, said he saw a similar-looking black bear searching through trash cans on the night of June 15th and caught the video of the bear. It seemed pretty normal, pretty skittish, and kind of scared of me, said Hybert. Officials with the Arizona Department of Game and Fish say they are not able to confirm the bear Sorry, they're not able to confirm if the bear in Hybert's video is the same bear. According to the Arizona Game and Fish, it's common to have bear sightings in some parts of the state, but it's very unusual to see an attack. There were no signs of reckless feeding or food being left in the area, but the case is still under investigation. The last deadly bear attack occurred in 2011 in the Pine Top area. This is the 15th attack they've had since the late 1980s. So, the bear didn't have rabies, Arizona Game and Fish says. Officials say the bear appeared to be in good health before it was shot. A necropsy (laughs) performed on the bear showed the animal was between 7 and 10 years old, weighed 365 pounds, that's one pound per day, had no signs of disease and did not have rabies. AZGFD officials believe this bear acted in what appeared to be an unprovoked predatory animal attack by the animal. The agency said in a statement, Bears are predators and when acting aggressively towards humans, they can attack, injure, and kill. The bear's brainstem was tested for rabies at the State Department of Health Services State Laboratory. Arizona has recorded only one case of a bear having tested positive for rabies in 1971. It took a total of five Arizona Game and Fish employees, the veterinarian, and four assistants to conduct the examination of the bear. A big male bear like this, by all indications, is a very healthy individual. So it was not a bear struggling to make a living in the wild. So by all appearances, it is an unprovoked attack, said Dr. Larissa. (laughs) Sorry, I thought it was going to be a dude. I really did Larissa dirty there. (laughs) Sorry, Larissa. Dr. Larissa Harding, the Arizona Game and Fish Program Manager, said, They don't believe hunger was the bear's motivation for the deadly attack. 
we did find, this is a woman this time, we did find within the stomach of the bear tissues consistent with Mr. Jackson's injuries. We also found in the stomach normal black bear foods, vegetarian seeds that we'd normally see from a feeding bear, said Dr. Ann Justice Allen, Arizona Game and Fish Wildlife Veterinarian. The bear has not yet been tested for illegal substances. Interesting. (laughs) It wasn't doing lines of coke. Uh... There's no indication this bear was under the influence of any kind of substance. The tissue samples we sent to the lab will tell us if there are any other diseases present, Justice Allen said. The bear's cause of death was the gunshot wounds it sustained after a neighbor shot it while trying to save Jackson. Tragic for the family, and I hate to see any bear suffer like this, Harding said. I don't make light of the family's suffering, but I hate to see a bear that was not acting as a normal black bear. This causes me concern. There you go. Uh, now, this article does include some safety tips, and as I know, some of you live near bears. Let's let's just go through them. Just to remind you guys, this isn't going to help me. I don't live near any bears unless you count drop bears. <laughs> we don't count drop bears, guys. Okay, some safety tips to avoid run-ins with wildlife, according to the Arizona Game and Fish. Don't feed wildlife. Don't leave food inside vehicles. Store garbage in bear-proof containers. Feed pets inside and remove uneaten pet food. Remove brush and cover uh, around homes and corrals. Install outdoor lighting. Supervise your children and keep pets indoors in a fenced yard or on a leash. Here's some tips for a bear encounter. Never approach a bear. And yeah, that goes without saying. I don't know why you would ever want to do that. Stay calm and continue to face it. Raise your arms and stand tall to appear dominant. Yell and make noises with whistles, blaring music, or pots and pans. Do not simulate a bear's chase. Sorry, do not simulate a bear's chase instinct by running away. Protect small children so they won't back away and run. Slowly back away from the area, and if they attack you, fight back. There you go. Interesting. That was a great story. That was a great article. Thank you, Brayson, for sending that to me. Uh, final, final story. And this is the one that kind of prompted my uh, my search for stories, uh, you know, related to attacks in zoos. We're talking about a woman, of course, who was attacked uh, by a polar bear at a zoo in Berlin. So let's read all about that. I'm sure you might have seen this. There was video on uh, TikTok, etc. cetera. Uh, so let's have a look. Uh, this story is from, oh, it's, f- oh, I might be on the wrong article. Oh, uh, I'm reading the wrong article. But you know what? Let's read it anyway, because I think it's going to tie into our story. This is from 2009. So this is not really a scratch of the day. It's from a while ago. But let's read this anyway. Let's see what it says. A woman is lucky to be alive today after she jumped a fence on Friday at the Berlin Zoo to enter the polar bear's enclosure during feedy time and was subsequently attacked by one of the bears, said one zoo expert. After long, panicked seconds in the bear's moat with one of the massive animals biting at her backside, the woman was eventually pulled to safety and treated for severe injuries. Uh, I'm gonna... Oh, it's okay. I was gonna try and do a a German accent, but uh, it's an Ohio guy. What she's done here, she should thank the good lord she's alive. Jack Hanna, director emeritus at the Columbia Zoo in Ohio, told Good Morning America, It's amazing to me. The video of the incident shows the woman thrashing in the bear's moat, attempting to grab life preservers and ropes thrown by would-be rescuers while one of the bears repeatedly bites her rear end. At one point, the rescuers managed to lift the woman out of the water, but only seconds later she fell back in again and was attacked by the bear. 
When rescuers were finally able to pull the woman out of the bear's moat, she was taken to a nearby hospital, police said. But the woman should be considered lucky, as bears could have killed her just as quickly, Hannah said. Maybe they'd already fed and wanted to batter around some, because let me tell you something, that polar bear, in one split second, she would have been history, Hannah said. Police do not know why the woman jumped the fence into the enclosure, but did issue her a citation for trespassing. A fellow polar bear named Knut, the German zoo's most famous attraction, was feet away throughout the attack but was reportedly not involved. Terrifying as the incident at the Berlin Zoo was, it was hardly the first of its kind. Here we go. A 15-year-old was severely injured at the Beijing Zoo after entering a panda enclosure in 2007. Later the same year, a 350-pound tiger named Tatiana... Huh? remember from before, escaped the San Francisco Zoo despite being surrounded by a 15-foot uh, wide moat and a 20-foot high wall. We did learn that that was not accurate. The, the, the wall was not that high. Um, once loose, Tatiana killed a 17-year-old tourist and mauled two others before it was killed. The event marked the second time Tatiana had mauled someone. The attack, uh, blah, 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 blah. We already know this. This now has just become an article about Tatiana. Um, okay, even though California's Division of Occupational Safety and Health blamed the zoo for the assault on the zookeeper, this is still about Tatiana, Hannah said, no matter what precautions zoos take, there's always a risk when dealing with wild animals. Can things happen? Yes. It's never going to be 100% foolproof, he said. We do everything in the zoological world to keep people away and still in a wild type of atmosphere. Man, Hannah sounds like a cool fucking guy. All right, there you go. That, that story, interestingly enough, just kind of went back to our main story. I like how things sort of link up like that. All right, gang, it's time for our final subject of the day, our beastly biography. You know what? Since we had a, a, a dingo story in the scratch of the day, I thought we might talk about the dingo a little bit. We have talked about dingoes a lot in the past, but we've never really talked about the biology of them. So let's talk about the dingo. The dingo, a.k.a. Canis familiaris, Canis familiaris dingo, Canis dingo or Canis lupus dingo, also you could call it the warrigal in uh, indigenous languages, is an ancient lineage of dog found in Australia. It is variously considered a form of domestic dog, not warranting recognition as a subspecies, a subspecies of dog or wolf, or a full species in its own right. The dingo is a medium-sized canine that possesses a lean, hardy body adapted for speed, agility, and stamina. It is closely related to the New Guinea singing dog and the New Guinea highland wild dog. The lineage split early from the lineage that led to today's domestic dogs and can be traced back through the Malay archipelago to Asia. The dingo is recognized as a native animal under the laws of all Australian jurisdictions and plays a prominent role in the Dreamtime stories of Indigenous Australians. For those of you not from Australia, the Dreamtime stories are like the ancient folklore of, of the uh, ancient peoples that lived here. They're beautiful stories and you should listen to them and you should uh, look them up. There's some really great stories and some really great morals to go along with them. So here's some stats about the uh, dingoes. We don't know how many population there are. We don't know. It's unknown. Uh, a dingo can live between 5 to 15 years, depending on uh, where where they are. Their top speed on land is 48 kilometers per hour, which is quite fast. They can weigh up to 20 kilograms, and they can be as tall as 60 centimeters high. Uh, they can also go from 117 to 154 centimeters long as well. Um, let's talk about their appearance. 
Dingoes usually range from a sandy yellow to red ginger in color, although some individuals can be white, black, or black tan. They have browned almond-shaped eyes. In addition, these dogs can be identified by white markings on their chest, feet, and the tips of their tails. Dingoes also have pricked ears, which can help them hear well. Another fact about dingoes I'm fairly certain about, um, and we might see if you, you cannot domesticate a dingo, unfortunately. It's not the kind of the dogs that will do that. So where do these uh, animals live? They live in Australia and only in Australia. Uh, they live in the northern parts of Australia, Queensland. Uh, of course, Kigari, a.k.a. also known as Fraser Island in particular. Dingoes are found in most of Australia, but they are absent in the southeast and Tasmania. They live in a wide variety of habitats, including temperate regions of eastern Australia, the alpine moorlands of the eastern highlands, and the arid hot deserts of central Australia, and the tropical forests and wetlands of northern Australia. So they are quite uh, rugged. They can live almost anywhere. Generally, dingoes are quite sociable animals, gathering packs to mate and socialize. However, some individuals prefer living a solitary life. Dingo packs normally contain 3 to 12 animals, including dominant males and females that are determined through fierce standoffs. When gathering, these animals howl, they leave scent marks, and come into conflict with each other. They are most active at sunrise and sunset when their prey is also active. These dogs are very territorial animals. They choose the territory not according to the size of their pack, but depending on the characteristics of the environment, such as the prey available or the terrain texture. They don't tend to bark, but they have been known to howl, especially at night, tracking their pack members or scaring away intruders. They're carnivorous animals, consuming a wide variety of food from water buffalo to insects. Dingoes are opportunistic feeders, hunting different species of from mice to wallabies to kangaroos, from rats to rabbits, geese and lizards. They can also scavenge carcasses of dead animals. In addition, dingoes can also f- feed upon plants and fruit. Uh, the dingo is monogamous. Isn't that cute? They mate for life. The dominant pair of the pack breeds in the group where other members of the pack help them in bringing up their pups. So it's like having a bunch of aunts and uncles. The mating season of the Australian dingo lasts from March to April, whereas in Southern East Asia, they mate in August and September. The period of gestation lasts about 63 days, yielding four to five babies on average. The female gives birth in a den. After three weeks, the pups start venturing out of their own. At the age of eight weeks, the young are fully weaned. By this time, they leave the den and start living with the pack. Then between three and four months old, the pups begin to accompany adults during hunts. Finally, at three years old, dingoes mate, staying together throughout their lives. They are very cute animals. I do like them. So interesting facts here. Um, Wrists of dingoes, like where their feet go, they're very flexible and they're actually able to rotate. Due to this ability, paws act like hands, allowing the animal to even turn a door handle. Along the wrists, the head of the dingo, along with the wrists, sorry, the head of the dingo is extremely agile, turning 180 degrees in each direction. That's really interesting. According to research conducted at Sydney's University in New South Wales, the dingo is likely to be the oldest breed of dog in the world. They usually hunt at night, and they can travel up to 37 miles per night in search of food. The habit of hiding remains of their food underground makes dingoes quite similar to domestic dogs. Tamed dingoes... Oh, there, I was wrong. You can tame a dingo. Tamed dingoes serve the early Aboriginal people as living bottles of hot water, keeping them warm at night. That is so cute. Wow. There's also a recorded case of a female dingo moving six pups one by one over a nine-kilometer distance in a single night, thus making a journey of 180 kilometers in just one night. 
That is fantastic. Dingoes are one of my favorite animals. They're obviously, you know, can be quite dangerous, as we've heard many times on this show before. But uh, they are, hey, man, what can I tell you? They're freaking cuties. Uh, that is going to be our show today, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you found the information about the San Francisco Zoo interesting. We're going to be back next week with episode 60. Whoa, the big six zero, Guys, if this podcast was a dude, I think it would be just about ready to start cheating on its wife. Guys, have a great week. I'll see you around. Um, of course, as always, if you want to suggest any... Um, stories for our scratch of the day or have any topics that you think would make a good episode please re- reach out to me i always love hearing from you thank you again to brayson uh brayson or brayden brayson for um for for the suggestion on the story about the arizona bear attack i really appreciate that and i always appreciate anyone who reaches out make sure you follow me on all the social media bullshit uh we've got the the email email me at maneaterspod at gmail.com facebook.com slash maneaterspod of course on instagram that's where i'm most active follow me at maneaterspodcast and at Jimothy Chaps. Uh, and of course, you know, if, if you do enjoy the show, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash maneaters. Have a fantastic week, everybody. I love your faces. I hope you stay safe out there because as we've learned, oh, buddy, it is a jungle out there. <laughs>